0: Are you interested in building water features professionally, whether you have an existing contracting business or are looking for a fun and profitable side hustle, then you found the perfect podcast to follow. I'm Greg Witstock, the pond guy, founder of Aquascape Inc., and this is my podcast. Each 20-minute episode profiles the journey of a successful certified Aquascape contractor whose best practices you can emulate. I love my job, and here's how you can too. Good morning. I'm on the phone with a, a long time, in fact, uh, over two decades now, a certified aquascape contractor, our first uh, certified aquascape contractor, I believe, out of uh, Arizona, Peoria, Arizona, Paul Holdeman of the Pondnome. How you doing, Paul?
1: I'm doing great, Greg. Thank you.
0: Well, very, very excited to talk to you. This is the first time I think uh, we've talked because about a month ago. I saw that you had uh, finally, after a couple decades at this, uh, surpassed the million-dollar milestone in annual sales. Congratulations to you.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Um, I I was thinking the other day that that most people are going to remember 2020 as maybe the worst year in their memory, and what we're going to remember is the year we hit 20 years in business and a million dollars in sales. So it's been a very good year for us. Well...
0: You have a lot of wisdom. You've been around the block a couple of times now. The point of my podcast is to share with uh, people who are trying to make this an established career and trying to get better to, A, understand who the Certified Oxus Counter Tribe is. I think they need to know who you are. And then, uh, you know, some picking up some advice along the way. So why why don't you let people that may or may not know you just a little bit about your background and how you became a successful pond guy today.
1: See, um, after uh, graduating at ASU, uh, I went to work in property management, and when I was hired in property management, my uh, my responsibilities were about 80% financials and contract documents and CC&R enforcement and that kind of thing. And um, 20% of my responsibilities was making sure all the common areas, including the lakes and Mm -hmm. ponds and water features were in good working order and kept up and but the truth is that in two years in that business 80 percent of my problems were more landscaping and over half of that was uh, water feature problems Um, seemed like all my time and effort was spent trying to figure (laughs) out why none of them would work and and why we were always having problems and getting complaints Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: I left property management to go to work in a, well, I started a partnership landscape business and I was focused on trying to make better ponds and constantly researching it. And then one day in 99, um, this, uh, um, seemingly hyperactive guy invited me <laughs> to a talk called the rocks and stones tour.
0: Wow. And,
1: uh, that, um, I went back to my partner and said, This guy has on to something here and we need to maybe start doing this and my partner said, I don't want to change from what we're doing that radically and why don't you go do that and we'll just say goodbye. And we did. Uh he bought me out and I started the the garden gnome which became one year later the pond gnome when we decided landscaping just doesn't do it like ponds do. A well built pond is the most emotionally amazing thing. And it sucked me in. It just like a magnet. Um, I was never. Boy, looking back on it, I'm so glad we decided not to be complete landscapers and to be focused on water features because it's really turned out well for us.
0: Amen. Have whatever happened to that year old partner?
1: You know, I don't know. I've run into him a couple of times, and I think he's still doing mostly site work. Um, we did a lot of work for developers, getting their common areas straightened out and managing them while they were. Selling homes, and I think he's still doing that. Probably still building concrete ponds for him too. Um, yeah.
0: Well, actually, that's a, okay. Let's kind of segue into that, buddy, because you've kind of been fighting this as a you know an outsider to a little bit extent. You're the uh, what was it, 2019 Conservationist of the Year?
1: That's right. That's right. Yeah. It was. Uh, I was bestowed that honor because of the my war with uh, poorly built ponds and with people that. Want to build a pond in their backyard in the desert and then go to war with the wildlife that wants to visit it.
0: (laughs) Right, right. Build it and they will come. Talk a little bit about, though, your experience as kind of a non traditional well, a traditional certified aquasage contractor, but a non-traditional pond builder in the area that you live in where there's so many in-ground swimming pools and concrete guys out there and you have just been fighting for 20 years now this perception, this battle with, uh, you know, a kind of a paradigm shift which is to building a pond that works with Mother Nature, not against her.
1: So the the prevailing attitude in Arizona is that concrete is the only solid way to build a pond. Um, There are some polymer mud bottom ponds when you get up over a quarter acre but anything under a quarter acre is is lined with concrete for the most part unless somebody that is familiar with aquascapes built it um and that just isn't very a very large percentage of the market here in arizona but our reputation that we've built over the last 20 years sticking to the aquascape system has is unsurpassed but it to the point where it's amazing people will call us and then they want to dictate to me how they want me to build the pond, starting with the concrete base. And I'm like, why are you calling me if that's the way you want to build the pond? Well, we want the best guy doing it, but this is the way we want it done. And I'm like, well, then I'm not (laughs) going to do this for you because it it will hurt my reputation, and they just can't understand it. Uh, Right. So it's it's kind of interesting that, that juxtaposition of our reputation is the best in Arizona but people, especially general contractors and people, you know, the people that are in the building trades, want to try and force me to build ponds the old way. Right. And um, despite the fact that they they want my reputation and for for a great product and my happy clients, but they want me to build it in a way that's not going to have that same outcome. And I can't seem to. It's interesting, right. the general <laughs> contractors specifically, how hard it is to change their mind.
0: It's frustrating. <laughs> to this day, about half of your work is repair, right?
1: Uh replacements, yeah. Repair and replacements for sure. Yeah, um uh we we jackhammer out the the hole we're gonna build in about half of our builds. We have to jackhammer uh concrete out of our way.
0: So let's 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 go back to you know the regular routine here, which is talking a little bit about you know the scope and magnitude of your operations because you know when people hear a million dollar business, uh, I, I'm imagining that a lot of people listening to this might get a little intimidated by that because it's it, you know it seems uh, you know a lot of people and everything else, but you know you got a pretty pretty lean mean you know talented crew there. Why don't you just go through you know your, kind of your breakdown with your your team and your maintenance and construction and how you how those things Sales actually are derived.
1: Um, we are a four. We have we have four contract. Um, <laughs> easy for me to say. Uh, we have four guys that are our construction division. They're solid guys, and we're constantly rotating a couple of newbies through that that are in and out all the time. It's it's not an easy business, and and not an easy mm-hmm. trade, especially. When you're working in uh, 110 to 115 degrees mm. half the year. Um, mm-hmm. So we're, but we have four solid guys that have been with us quite a while. Combined, um, they've been with me 30 years. Um, so mm. uh, they, and then we have two full time maintenance guys and one part time maintenance guy running around in mini trucks that service um, 95%. Our installations, or the installations of other aquascapers that are either no longer around or um, in other parts of the country where they come in and will build and then leave, and um, we end up getting the maintenance contract on those um, mm-hmm. for people that want. And, and our maintenance business, I didn't even start building it till 2009 or 10, and mm-hmm. I wasn't even doing maintenance till then. I wish I'd been doing maintenance from the very beginning, Greg. It has sure. been by far. The thing that has solidified us and made us, uh, given us the ability to grow the way we have. So we've got six and a half guys, um, and uh, we're we're billing. We're going to hit a million one this year with six and a half full time employees.
0: Right, which is which is a which is a probably about high as you can get in a, in the landscape trades when it comes to a man hour return on guys. Um, so talk a little bit about you know. Uh, advice because i think we could probably almost wrap up the entire thing with this although i do want to hear what you love best about your job just stuff for people that are but they're good going with this industry you know what do you wish you would have known 20 years ago you just talked about adding service to it and all the jobs that come from that and and uh, repeat business talk a little bit about some of the advice that you think is best uh, that people people should know
1: Um, There's been a lot, thanks to all of the people I met in the CAC group mostly and and you, for that matter. Um, I would say that um, I'll I'll give you three pieces. Um, One is um, follow-through. Don't ever promise anything you can't deliver. And Mm -hmm. I have a kind of a rule of under-promise and over-deliver. I I prepare people for... um, all the bad stuff that might happen, and then I make sure we go the extra mile when we're delivering on a contract. And that, if you read our reviews, is something that people write often: is they delivered way more than I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I would say that's a big part of our reputation. And then um, I would say when it comes to growing a business, the number one thing is know your numbers.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I have a business degree from ASU, and in fact, I but I was definitely a shoot from the hip contractor when I went out on my own and always felt like I knew everything I needed to know off the top of my head and didn't really need to sit down and spend time studying the numbers. About 10 years ago that changed and it changed our business. We started actually growing at that point because we were pretty locked in at about two hundred fifty, three hundred thousand 300,000 a year for the first decade. And then once I started worrying about the business end of this business is when we actually started growing and mm-hmm. we, uh, it, it It definitely gives you more ammunition to grow on than most guys would think um the the third thing is mm-hmm. building a showroom and a display um build a place that get a, get a hold of a piece of property where you, that that has some traffic where you can build something people can look at you can send them to to look at and then go in and rebuild it every year or, or so just you know just whenever you have blank time on the canvas just go ahead and take the crew in and Tear it apart and rebuild it once in a while to learn from it and make it better and make your guys better. Make, make it a practice court.
0: Um, Amen.
1: Those are probably the, uh, yeah.
0: those are your three, top three. And uh, I, I know that, uh, and I know you have a couple of couple of favorite quotes uh, too. What were, what would what would those quotes be?
1: Well, my favorite quote is "Everything is changing." That might be a recent change for me, but. That's from me. Okay. Years, from
0: yeah, years, sure.
1: But there is no doubt that everything is always changing. hmm Um, and and that's something I have to keep reminding myself because I hate change. So <laughs> it's something I've had to learn to live with. Sure. Um, all of us. Yep. Uh, favorite quotes.
0: Well, I know that, I know one of them. I'll just just jog your memory here, and this is a kind of a a Scott Hammond type of a thing. It's the selling of the lifestyle. It's living the lifestyle, selling the lifestyle. You are a conservationist of the year. You're passionate about what you do, and therefore it's easy for you to sell and talk about the lifestyle. So maybe for people that aren't necessarily, you know, haven't been doing this for 20 years, talk a little bit about that to close us out.
1: That actually was one of the things that, I think, helped propel me forward in this business. Back when I was struggling in the first few years, mm-hmm. um, I think you were the one I heard. Maybe I heard it from Scott, but sure. I remember who I heard all these things from 15, 20 years ago. But don't sell pumps and filters. Sell lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And it actually took me a year or so to to understand what that meant, but it is the truth. Do not get involved in... in talking to clients about what size pump you're going to use and, and what how your filter works or any of that. Nobody really buys based on that stuff. People buy based on lifestyles. So mm-hmm. you talk about what it's like living next to a pond. And frankly, selling lifestyle is something that is – I started realizing that when we build these features in our desert environment, we're going to draw in all the wildlife in a 10-square-mile area – I had to start educating our clients on the fact that you're going to be living with wildlife in your yard if you're going to have one of these and you definitely need to mentally prepare yourself for that and and learn how to live with the wildlife. Don't don't walk out your door into the yard conditioned white and and walk right into some big cat drinking out of the pond in your yard. Make sure you look out the window before you walk <laughs> out your back door. Um that kind of thing. But we, these are things we teach our clients on how to live with the wildlife that is destined to show up in your yard, and as a result, we've reached out and captured a group of, of client, a client base of wildlife lovers
0: We mm-hmm. so were trying
1: to get involved in the swimming pool industry, really, in the beginning, because mentally, that's where I thought we were working, and the mm-hmm. truth is, I'm not working in the against the swimming pool industry at all. I'm working with wildlife lovers, so we are very popular and have grown our presence in the local Audubon societies the local wildlife groups of, of all kinds, but we're, we're very popular in those groups. I do a lot of public speaking for their gatherings and organizations. The Game and Fish Department um, uses us to build uh, fish refugias for protecting native fish and storing them, and we, we've really got a, a strong presence in our local wildlife community because of some of the things that this product has taught me.
0: Talk a little bit about your passion for the wildlife. I mean, you know, Ed Ballou, who picks the conservationist of the year, picked you. But, you know, you really found your purpose. Actually, just you, your dad saw this in you. I mean, talk a little bit about, you know, when you really built your first water feature with your dad, and, and, and he really sat you down and said, son, I think you found it here. Talk a little bit about that.
1: <laughs> it's great that you remember those kinds of things. I, I don't know how you do that. But, uh, yeah, when my Right after the Rocks and Stones tour, um, one of the things you told me there was if you can't afford to build one in your backyard, go find a relative. You can build one in their backyard and, mm-hmm. and then tear out that waterfall and rebuild it four or five times, and then you'll be ready to go to market. And so I went and sold my dad an $8,000 pond that today I'd probably sell for closer to twenty. dollars um, and then sure. built, it in, built it in his backyard, and he was floored by what he saw. And you know he was a he was a guy that liked to spend his time after work at the local bar um, at happy hour. He spent all his happy hours at the local bar. And <laughs> once I built that pond, first of all, he didn't want fish in it. He says I don't want fish. And I go, why don't you want fish? And he goes because I don't want to bother with fish. And I go okay. Well, I'll tell you what. You don't bother my fish, and I won't. And my fish won't bother you. <laughs> but I'm putting fish right. in here. So. Mm-hmm. I put some small koi in the pond and and set about ripping apart and rebuilding the waterfall about three or four times. And every time I did that, Dad was like, what are you doing tearing that apart again? It was beautiful. I'm like, yeah, but I was told I need to tear it apart and rebuild it a few times, so that's what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And about the fifth time, he showed up after work and says, Son, I think you found your calling. This is mm. amazing. The other thing is is he started telling me stories about the fish and he started feeding the fish
0: and the of fish course. he
1: started telling me stories about their various personalities
0: and he <laughs> fell in love
1: with his fish. He had names for all of them. And I kept having to remind him, Dad, you didn't want fish. Shut up about the fish. And he just—he absolutely loved his fish after a very short period of time. I think within a month he was telling fish stories to everybody that would visit. And he told me that I added years to his life because Mm -hmm. he quit going to the bar after work. He couldn't wait to get home and sit out on his back patio. And instead of five or six drinks at a bar with friends because everybody's buying everybody around, He'd sit in his backyard at the end of his day and have one cocktail, watch his fish, and then go go inside and watch a little TV ahead for bed. He says, "I I think you probably added years to my life, son."
0: Amen. And see, um, that's the lifestyle.
1: Yep, yep, for sure. But I had another story prepared for you. You brought that one up, but the one I wanted okay. to tell was the client. There, there was a client of mine that I built a pond in his backyard for him. It was about a twenty thousand dollar, twenty five thousand dollar project, and. He had just built a kitchen, an outdoor kitchen in his backyard on the back of his house, and they only had it was a small patio home, so we filled all of the area that we could with pond. The only thing is, the only area he had, you couldn't see from inside his house. After we built the pond, this guy's wife made him rip out his one-year-old outdoor kitchen and rip the whole <laughs> back off his house, turn it into glass, and move the, move the outdoor kitchen to another part of the yard. He told me, Paul, you know, your pond cost me over $200,000. Well, damn! I only took about thirty grand of that, so pony up, man. <laughs> I right. think it's amazing that something I built caused a guy to do hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of work to adjust his entire life, so his wife could have a better view of the project we built. I don't know what other how, product would cause that.
0: And how many times have we heard it's the best investment I've ever made?
1: Uh, many. In 20 years, many, many times, and I put in a lot of irrigation systems before I found this product, and I can tell you not a single irrigation system that I installed brought tears to a client's eyes when I asked for their check, and the ponds do. People are crying tears of joy as they're writing my check on, and saying I just – and tipping us most of the time. We, we get a lot of I, – I don't know what construction – Business you can be in, contract-oriented business you can be in, where you can expect to be tipped by your clients right after you have yep. the job. But yeah, I would say fifty percent of our jobs, the clients are handing out hundred-dollar bills to my guys and yep. and throwing me throwing me a couple hundred on the way out the door. It's it's it happens often. They feed it us, does. they bring us beers at the end of the day. <laughs> our clients are just the most excited, happy people. They're, I don't know what other industry you can have this in.
0: This is well. And and you have an industry that you've been able to uh, to build a million dollar business, provide a lifestyle for so many people for yourself and your and your guys in the process. And the reason I remembered the story about uh, your dad was you were telling it to me when we were sitting at the Sanctuary Resort at the base of Camelback Mountain, uh, having a drink and just chilling out. And uh, and you know the, one of my favorite quotes is facts tell stories sell. So I will never forget that story. I'm glad that your father was able yeah. to experience that and see his sun shining the greatest satisfaction in life buddy is seeing someone else reach their fullest potential and helping someone else along the way so thanks for taking that initiative and and changing the course of your life and uh it's great to have a have friends all over the world and uh you're certainly uh right up there with uh with the arizona guys because you are our first uh pioneer out there so thank you for the wisdom a lot of people are going to get uh fired up by uh by what you're doing here and uh uh, appreciate your time and, and giving your advice.
1: Thank you, Greg. I
0: appreciate it. Hey, hope you enjoyed that podcast. And if you want to subscribe to the podcast, just go to aquascapeinc.com slash podcast and tune in every Tuesday and Thursday at 4 p.m. Central Time for a brand new podcast. I love my job and I hope you can too.